0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes and the to... Oscar goes to.
0: Jet.
1: My only object in being here is to try and get at the
2: truth. Where shall I go? What
1: shall I do? He's looking at
0: you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten your... I could have been somebody.
1: They can only kill me with a golden bullet.
0: What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. you am gonna make him an awful kid. All real, man. Oh, love married. is... It
1: is love. Too weak a word. Stay back. back. I, I, loathe love you I, no, I loathe
0: you. I loathe you. I love you I, I did as a saw. Don't laugh! If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instruction. This ain't reality TV! back it and validate it! Remember what you told me! It's time, Robbie! Welcome to the Next Best Picture Podcast. It's time! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Episode 6 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and I want to just first of all just say thank you to everybody right now that is listening to the show. Thank you very much for... Uh, Really working through with us on the split uh, idea that we had for last week where we just uh, put our awards talk and film news talk in one episode. We put our Deepwater Horizon review in another. We're doing the same thing here this week. Today, we're going to be talking a lot about what's going on in the Oscar world as well as a couple of uh, new trailers, some film news. So first things first, let's get the people that we know and we love here in the room right now. We've got Mike. Hey, how's it going? And we got Will. What's up? So, guys, this has been uh, quite a week here. I want to first start it off with the New York Film Festival, as I had a chance to attend, and I'm actually going back, uh, as of this recording, later this evening, to see 20th Century Women, which is getting really, really strong reviews, so I really can't wait to see Mike Mills' directorial follow-up to Beginners. But I want to first start it off with the first film that I saw, and that is... Manchester by the Sea. Now, without getting into any kind of a review territory here, I want to just first come right out and say that, yes, everything you've heard about this film is absolutely spot on. Casey Affleck is incredibly good in the lead role. I mean, like, a very understated performance. It's not big, it's not flashy, but it's so complex and so deeply layered. It really, truly is an incredible feat of acting on his part. And then Michelle Williams, yes, limited screen time, but she makes the most of it. And Kenneth Lonergan, who wrote, directed the film, I mean, his writing, in my opinion, is stronger than his directing in this movie, but there were people walking out of the theater saying that it was like the best movie they had seen in like 20 years or something like that. I don't know if that was just you know, them coming out on a high and a little too much overpraising there, but this this definitely is a contender. I don't really have Kenneth Lonergan anymore in my best director lineup, but I think the film stands a really good chance to possibly win for screenplay. I think Casey Affleck is definitely going to be in the hunt uh, for best actor. So there's a lot of love to go around with this movie here, and it is devastating. I don't know if anybody that goes into this movie a little cold, I don't know if anybody's going to be prepared for the emotional wallop that this film packs in its punch here. It is, it's truly heartbreaking.
1: I can't wait to see it. And apparently the Broadway community is really stepping up for this because Kenneth Lonergan is a big name there. He's had a few plays over the last couple of years. So a lot of uh, Broadway actors who are also Academy members like uh Carol Kane and you know Matthew Broderick uh
0: Yeah, he's in the movie.
1: Yeah. Uh Celia Weston who goes to a lot of academy events. They're really liking this one and going to parties and doing events. So it's good to know that it's getting its name out there.
0: Absolutely. I cannot wait for you guys to see it. I can't wait to talk about it here on the show. And then uh the same evening I also watched Moonlight from director and writer Barry Jenkins. And I had high praise for Manchester by the Sea. I gave it an 8 out of 10 on NextBestPicture.com. But Moonlight got a 9 out of 10 from me. I mean, Moonlight is... I just described Manchester by the Sea extremely well. Moonlight is, in my opinion, even better. Because the artistry with which Barry Jenkins films this film... Films this film. (laughs) The artistry with which he shoots this movie... The cinematography, the use of the music, the way it's edited, the way it's structured. This, to me, is one of the best indie-directed films I've seen this year. And it's also, just hold on to your butts now, it is, for me, my personal pick for the SAG Ensemble Award. I don't think I will see a better ensemble this year in any movie. That's what I've heard. Yeah, a large part of that has to do with every role in the movie is... Well cast. It's also extremely well acted, and the just the seamlessness from which we jump from act one to act two to act three, and we follow this main character of Chiron. He's played by three different actors, but yet all three of the actors, you 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 could swear that this was another Richard Linklater from Boyhood, and how they just filmed it over the course of how many somewhat years. It's unreal how the mannerisms, the looks in the eyes, everything from the about the body language, speaking pattern. I I I I can't believe how well cast this film is.
1: What about Mahershala Ali? I hear very good things about him.
0: He is very good and his presence does loom large over the movie, in my opinion. I don't think he makes the five for supporting actor.
1: I've seen some who say he doesn't make it in and others who say he's going to win. It's like the two extremes.
0: Yeah, he's not going to win. I can tell you that right now. If he makes it in, it's because there's an extreme amount of love for the film. And he's also having a really, really good year for himself. But he doesn't have, in my opinion, the scene... And and people will say that he does. There There is one scene where I could see people arguing that he does have that scene. But I don't personally see it, in my opinion. If it's like a very, very weak year for supporting actor, he could get in. But right if now, he still... falls out. He'll get in. Oh, my God. Saying. Oh, man, we're back on this again. <laughs> Listen, at the end of the day here, I think Ali is still a contender but I don't have him in my five anymore. So
1: Naomi Harris is going to be the one that makes it in most likely?
0: I was more impressed by Naomi Harris in Moonlight than I was uh, Michelle Williams in Manchester by the Sea. Oh, wow. And I think a large part of that has to do with the screen time. Naomi Harris uh, plays her character in all three acts of the film. She doesn't have another actor coming in to uh, play her. So, she's, a th- she's the thorough line that goes through the entire film. And I think that even though it was shot over the course of three days, the emotional journey that her she has to go through as an actor uh, to portray this character, yeah, it may fall into cliche, troubled mom uh, category, much in the same way Monique did with something like Precious. And this is not on the same level as that. This is not like that kind of a powerhouse performance like that movie was. This is more... Serviceable than anything, it, it's a it's a really good performance from her. I definitely think she gets the nomination. I don't know if she gets to win. I think the win may still go to Michelle Williams, um, just due to the overdue factor. But Naomi Harris is, in my opinion, uh, just a tad bit better there.
1: And we'll also be hearing about how she shot the film because apparently she came in and did it while in Florida doing press for. Uh, Spectre last year.
0: Just over yeah. three days. Entire. Right. Screen time was three days. It's crazy. Yep. Um, oh, and we're going to be talking about this. Spoiler alert. Next week on the show. But I did get a chance to watch it the other night. And that is Ava DuVernay's documentary 13th. I want to give uh, people out there a chance to see the film over the course of the next week before we uh, review it. It is on Netflix right now. And I cannot I cannot stress how much I urge people to watch this documentary. I am not really much of a documentary, you know, kind of a guy. It's not my thing. I don't even really review docs on the site that much. Because a lot of times I... I I don't know. I, 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 I tend to be one of those people that lumps docs into their own category. But this is just... This is knock-you-on-the-ass filmmaking. And, you know, you would think for a topic that's this big and this complex that the film would be something like six hours long. It's an hour and 40 minutes. It moves at an incredible pace. It leaves your mouth just wide open the entire time. The emotions that it gets out of you from sadness to rage, it educates you, it enthralls you. This is filmmaking of the highest order and I would love 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 I would not be upset at all and I think it truly deserves to be campaigned in the best picture category I really truly believe it does well that's definitely good to hear
2: I don't think it'll happen I haven't seen the film I just I have a hard time seeing any documentary at this stage getting a best picture nomination but that would be beyond cool if it did when
0: we review it next week I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on this it's it's it, it's that good it really is so there's a lot going on at the New York Film Festival as I said before 20th Century Women uh, is next for me and then uh, it's on to Jackie Billy Lynn's long halftime walk and then the lost city of Z so and I'll be seeing Jackie in two weeks which is pretty exciting oh that is oh Will, you got to find a way to watch it man <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, Wait, me it's killing say, me. In
1: addition to seeing Jackie, there's a chance I might be meeting Natalie Portman on Monday. So that would be really cool to see her before I see the movie. That
0: would be amazing. Oh, I don't know if I told you guys this or not. I got to, I got to meet Kenneth Lonergan, actually. I uh, caught awesome. him as I was walking out of the bathroom uh, after Manchester by the Sea. And he was just walking down the hallway. I went up to him. I thanked him for the movie. And I also just made a quick commentary on how his films... Um, are epic to me. Um, If you've ever seen You Can Count On Me or uh, Margaret, this is an epic film, Manchester by the Sea, in terms of the level of depth that it explores for the human condition. And I told him that a lot of filmmakers today uh, think that, you know, in order to make an epic film, they have to do all these big, splashy special effects and all this spectacle or get hooked up with some form of IP within the industry but you've proven that you don't need to do that to create something that's just as massive in terms of scale. And I, I thanked him for that. He said, thank you. Um, and then uh, I, I kind of got the sense that like I, I kind of needed to get away from him, so I politely excused <laughs> myself and I went away. Uh, but it was really, really cool, and I, got a, I, and I was really, really happy that I got a chance to say that to him. So that was awesome. Uh, what else has been going on? We have uh, some news about... Um, yeah, well, this is this is kind of like in the vein of silence uh, last week with getting the December release date. We found out that *Lift By Night is going limited on December 25th, uh, so that January wide release will still stand. But December 25th is going to be the Oscar qualifying run. What a shocker. Yeah, I know. It's not it's not a big deal necessarily, uh, but it's good to know that the film is... Uh, not at least getting thrown into the dumping ground post award season, and they really are going to try and get a campaign going for this one. I'm still pretty hype about the movie. I I really like Ben Affleck as a director, and I I'm I'm genuinely excited for it. So, uh, other movies uh, that are going to be in the Oscar consideration this year: uh, Patriots Day, which we have a trailer for uh, that we're going to be discussing later on. We discovered that Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor are set to score the film, their first film post Fincher.
2: Yeah, I'm incredibly hyped to hear how that's going to go. I, the more I hear about the fo- film, the more interested I am. You know, I'm, I'm still not sure it's going to be much of a contender overall, but them doing a score is pretty much guaranteed that the film, I don't think they would sign on to a bad film. And at least it's going to have a noteworthy score now that they're composing it. The Academy has shown they're not necessarily friendly to Ross and Reznor's music, aside from that win for The Social Network, but who knows?
0: I mean, that that is something that really increased my interest in the film. All three years, though, for all three Fincher films, um, you know, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl, uh, they were predicted to possibly make the cut for the Oscar nomination. They didn't make it, and you're right, that one win for The Social Network remains their only nomination, but... They've always been in, in the conversation at least, so it's definitely something worth considering. For they filmed
1: one for Gone Girl.
0: Uh, I actually really enjoyed their music for the girl um, for uh, the girl's dragon tattoo. All three are fantastic.
2: I think the Social Network was on a whole other level of emotion that it managed to strike, but both of the other two films tracked nicely in the background. I felt like Gone Girls was the least engaging I guess it did just feel more like a score than a character itself whereas in the social network you know those simple notes of hand covers bruise really added an extra layer to the film and kind of did in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo as well just so eerie really building that atmosphere and then also hitting the emotional beats of that track what if we could so I, I, I think they could really use their simple sound to bring the emotion of a film like this to another level, as opposed to strings, which I think would become maudlin and heavy-handed in a film like this. Well, we heard a very
1: interesting rendition of uh, God Bless America in the trailer, which I don't know if they have anything to do with that, but it was very subtle, wasn't overbearing, which I really appreciated.
0: I don't think they had anything to do with it, only because uh, their announcement as being the composers for the film uh, was... It came out after the trailer had actually been released. So um, I doubt it, but still really, really excited regardless. Um, another film that is slowly getting some Oscar uh, talk and actually has been showcased at the uh, New York Film Festival as well is the film *L* uh, from Paul. I always get this wrong. Paul Van Hooven. No, Paul Verhoeven. Damn it. I always get that one wrong um isabel huperdo is set to be honored at the afi film festival and even though i have not yet seen the film i'm going to get around to it uh pretty soon i've heard that she gives a truly outstanding lead performance and an actress of her stature very much deserving of the recognition and of the honor what do you guys think about the narrative of her possibly getting the Oscar nomination for Best Actress for this film here.
2: So it's a very non-accessible film for Academy Members. It's about sexual assault, I believe. And she has two films out this year. I've heard her performance in, I don't remember what the other film is, but the one things that- Things to Come, the th- new Mia Hansen love film. Things to Come is actually more likely to be accessible to Academy members. But Elle is the one that, People are running with. AFI is going to be screening it. She's getting a massive gala, which means she's campaigning and she is being campaigned for. She has a Charlotte Rampling type narrative, if not even greater. So I don't know. It's going to be. The film may manage to get in for a foreign film nomination as well. It's France's submission. I don't know. I think the film is going to be too non academy friendly to get in. But she just comes in to make this already complicated best actress race a little bit more so.
1: She's the European Meryl Streep. She is regarded over in Europe as the greatest actress to ever live. So when you have work like The Piano Teacher being one and just all these other projects over the last 30 years, I mean, she was in Heaven's Gate for goodness sake. So you just have a career that hasn't been rewarded by the Academy. This might be the chance to do it, as we saw with the rampling last year. And Emanuel Riva back in 2012.
0: That Best Actress category, though, is so stacked. It's just... It's we absurd. We need 10.
1: We need 10 slots this year.
0: I can't... I, I I don't know. I switch to five almost every single day. But that's a great thing. I'm starting to pull on Ruth Nega, actually, at this point, for loving. I don't know if I can hold her in my five anymore.
1: You have to juggle everybody. There are only three locks right now with two other open slots and about... 15 names to pick from.
0: So that's Portman, Stone, and Davis, yes? Pretty much yes. guaranteed, yes. Yeah, so for those last two spots, I I keep hearing from every reaction I'm seeing to the film, everybody is signaling out Amy Adams for a rival. Now, if the film is a box office success and it does extremely well, I can see how she makes it in, but if the film doesn't necessarily do that well with audiences, it may do well critically... I think that there is a way that other performances could kind of find their way into the fight here. But either way, we're setting ourselves up, I think, this year with Best Actress to be disappointed with one of our favorites, maybe even one of these presumed locks, not making it. It should
2: also be mentioned – we didn't mention this with the 20th Century Women Reactions – that Annette Bening could be going supporting this year. But if she doesn't, she's gotten some career – not career bests, but some raves – And we now have Greta Gerwig as a viable contender based on those reviews, too. So if they both go supporting, that could really uh, be a defining factor in the race. We also learned this week that Amy Adams is going lead for both of her performances. We thought she might go supporting for Nocturnal Animals, but she's campaigning lead for both. So that's some vote splitting there, which could negatively impact her arrival chances as well.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's their smart move on their part, and I really disagree uh, with that decision on uh, over there. So, if Annette Benning is able to go supporting, if it's not blatant
1: category fraud, I think it would be a very smart decision to do so because she could win in a heartbeat. There,
0: I agree. I definitely agree with that too. Michelle Williams' screen time, as I said before, may not be enough. Um, that could be another bloodbath this year with the two of them even swapping. Critics wins, splitting the uh, big uh, titles for SAG, Golden Globe, Critics' Choice. I mean, the the ladies are just pulling out all the stops this year. It's it's quite remarkable. Wouldn't it be nice to see
1: Warren and Nanette win the supporting awards this year?
0: Oh, my gosh. What did you just do? I didn't even think of that. Now I kind of want – no, I don't want Warren Beatty to win.
1: <laughs> By the way, did <laughs> any of you read the Vanity Fair – huge profile piece on Warren Beatty that came out this week no but I'm sure you did I didn't even make it through the whole thing because it was so long I'm going to finish it today go read this piece because that guy is fascinating oh uh, oh, he is it's the first interview he's done in 25 years and he talks about how he spends his days at California Pizza Kitchen now and he has fans coming up to him and he's talking about how he walked with Marilyn Monroe on the beach the day before she died it's a fascinating read
0: You definitely got to check that out. You're you're right. That sounds pretty, actually, that sounds pretty awesome. California Pizza Kitchen. Who knew? Yeah, California (laughs) Pizza Kitchen. I like eating there. Uh, Producer Ed Pressman is planning uh, a massive Jeremy Irons campaign for The Man Who Knew Infinity, which will also include a few White House screenings. He's inviting real mathematicians to come speak for the film as well. And he basically said,
2: so he is the guy behind Jeremy Irons' Oscar win years ago for uh, Reversal of Fortune. Yeah, and he basically said that IFC doesn't have the coffer to really give the film the campaign it needs, so or the performance the campaign it needs, so he said he's going to aggressively go about trying to make sure everybody sees Jeremy Irons I haven't seen the film, I can't comment, but it didn't really make much of a splash. And it also was a fairly early release, so I remain skeptical. But it'll be interesting to see if it can be one of those surprise SAG nominees we sometimes get, at least. Yeah. yeah. It
1: played forever in my area. People really seem to like it at the art house. And uh, who knows, maybe the screeners will make a difference. Apparently this, and from what I hear, Denial, are really big with the... Members right now, they're really loving those. Two yeah, movies. David
2: Poland said all he keeps hearing from Academy voters is denial, 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 and that they're in denial. <laughs> a, but that is that is the type of that is a classic type of film also that could get in with them. And both of them, I think, are kind of ultimately feel good films. So,
0: you know, you brought up uh, the interesting uh, part about SAG and how we get these surprise nominees, which we've been seem to have gotten these past two years. And now that you brought that up, I am thinking of Rachel Weisz for Denial. I am thinking of Jeremy Irons for The Man Who Knew Infinity.
1: You know what I'm looking
0: at, and I've heard this from
1: a lot of people over the last couple of months? I actually have it in my ensemble predictions. Don't think I'm crazy, but Eye in the Sky is really big, too.
0: Oh, I don't think
2: you're crazy And at it's all. a fantastic ensemble. It also has—I mean, SAG loves Helen Mirren. We saw it last year— I mean, she got. Trumbo got an ensemble nomination. She got a nomination for Trumbo, and she got in for the critically, not reviled, but certainly not well received, Woman in Gold. So never count out a Mirren film and a posthumous. Alan Rickman, too. Yeah, right posthumous Rickman up. nomination. He's he's very good in it, and it's a heartbreaking fil- performance to see as his last. Um, I would love that. That still is in my top five films this year.
0: Yeah, I, I enjoyed the film, and I'm not that high on it, but I would not mind seeing a SAG Ensemble nomination for that movie whatsoever. I think it would actually be uh, deserved in many ways. I like that they're going their own
1: route now away from the Oscars.
0: Yeah, yeah, it makes it fun and it makes it a lot more interesting. It gets us to question um, if something, yeah, like I was saying, it gets us to question if something is indeed truly something, you know? I mean, a lot of people... Sometimes we'll write stuff off, like Helen Mirren for Women in Gold, you know, all like that. Okay, she got a SAG on she got a SAG uh, nomination for Best Actress, but that isn't going to translate into Oscar or Sarah
1: Silverman in I Smile Back.
0: Yeah, but and then you get something like that, or you get um, Michael Shannon getting in for Ninety Nine Homes, and then you just start to wonder, could it happen? You know, and some years it does, and some years it does not. Speaking of uh, casts, though. Black Panther is assembling what is, in my opinion, one of the greatest casts I have ever seen for a film, and they've added to that now Forrest Whitaker. So is it just everybody wants to work with Ryan Coogler at this point? Because holy crap, I can't believe the amount of names he has gotten for this film so far.
1: Well, it's Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, Chadwick Boseman, Forrest Whitaker. Am I forgetting anyone else?
0: Oh, yeah, and don't forget about Andy Serkis.
2: And it's also written by it's co it's written by Ryan Kugler and one of the main writers slash producers from People vs OJ Simpson. So it's got good pedigree as well. Wait, is that uh, Alexander or Uh
0: No, it, I think it's it, uh, Joe, Joe Robert, Robert Cole. Cole. Okay. Like I said, I, this film is coming out not for a while. This is going to be a twenty eighteen film. They haven't even started shooting yet, but. Still, this is a project that we're going to definitely keep our close eyes on. For I don't even know necessarily if it will be for Oscar consideration, but just more so uh, to just get uh, what could quite possibly be one of the best superhero movies of all time, even.
1: One of the few superhero films I'm actually looking forward to, because I do like Ryan Coogler. He's a hot commodity right now.
2: Ryan Coogler brought actual artistic daring. He brought something of an actual aesthetic to Creed, which was a franchise film. You know, like he he made it something. So I think the Marvel brand has gotten increasingly generic, but I have hope that maybe even if the story ends up being safe, that Kugler's direction execution can be something that stands out from the rest of the Marvel canon.
0: So we have to keep it on Marvel here for a minute because another piece of film news this week that was pretty big was the new and final Wolverine film, with Hugh Jackman playing the role one last time. film is called Logan. We got a poster, which <laughs> the minute I saw it, I was like, oh, this is like Schindler's List uh, in many ways with the hand-holding. But um, we also got um, a leaked version of one pages of the script. Uh, director uh, James Maggold uh, talked a bit about um, how the film's going to have a very gritty feel to it. Uh, this is not going to be a special effects uh, spectacle that this is going to be a film where people actually get hurt. There are actual consequences. And can anybody confirm for me on this? I don't remember exactly. Is the film rated R? Yes. It'll be very gory and it'll be rated R. So I think that they're really trying to do something different with the final film here. I think Hugh Jackman has completely owned the role and is very, very deserving of being able to ride out in the sunset with, I hope, is a really, really, really fantastic final film from here.
1: I've sort of lost interest with the franchise. It was uh, one of the few superhero franchises that I liked for a while. But now, uh, I don't know, I've just sort of lost interest in what it's doing. With
0: James Mangold as a director, though, I've, I've really kind of always liked his films. Uh, 310 to Yuma, I think is great. I love Walk the Line. Uh, even Identity, I thought, was pretty awesome when that came out. G- guy's got a really good resume. You're forgetting uh, Night
2: and Day, though, and also the very forgettable third act of the previous Wolverine film. So, mm. it, it, it Wasn't could Darren be good. Aronofsky attached to this? He He was attached to the previous Wolverine film, and they offered him more money, but he didn't want more money. He wanted more creative freedom, and they wouldn't give him that. So he dropped Ah. and James Mangle took over.
1: Mm. Well, we'll see. I don't know if I'll be seeing this or not, but maybe they'll get me back.
0: We'll see. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, And then another film that's uh, not supposed to come out for a while from now. uh, We have learned that keeping the tradition of live-action Disney remakes, Mulan, is set for November 2nd, 2018. Uh, what do you guys think about this? I mean, we, we talked about The Lion King last week. How do we feel about a live-action version of Mulan?
1: I think I've only seen Mulan once, and I was very young. Like, I get the story, and I remember what it is, uh, so I would have to go see the original again. But like I say about all the other Disney remakes that we've been getting, if they could do it well, why not? Although, one thing I did think of was, didn't we already have a live-action Mulan back in the 80s, and wasn't it called Yentl?
2: I think, yeah, I mean, I, the story's been covered before, but I do think Mulan is a film much more than The Lion King that could succeed and even benefit from being live-action. If you take a grittier take on the story, maybe don't try to shamelessly recreate all the songs. And also gives an opportunity to introduce more uh, leading people of color to Hollywood in general. I mean, this is a film where all of a sudden it's not just going to be led by uh, white males in an action lead. Someone was pointing out that we've, you know, there's a lot of talk about Oscars so white, but people seem to forget we've never had a single uh, Asian actress nominated for Best Actress. So anything that's a breakthrough for an Asian actress, for example, is great. So I think uh, this film on that level alone is important. Calling it right now, Kevin Hart
1: will play the Eddie Murphy role.
2: I could see that. Oh
1: my god, no. Calling that right now, Uh,
0: October 8th, 2016, Kevin Hart will be in Mulan. I will hold you to that. I'm notating this right now. (laughs) All righty. And with that said, we're going to now dissect a couple of trailers that were released this week. Had a good week for trailers, too. Yes, it was. We got a mixture of some Oscar contenders, uh, some blockbuster films as well. Let's get these blockbuster films out of the way first and we'll work our way towards the Oscar contenders. First up is the trailer that just debuted today. Uh, this morning actually and that is the new power rangers reboot just to remind me of my screw up you know i don't think we're ever going to understand each other they're going to come here every saturday just to graduate with all these other weirdos and criminals i keep a close this heart of mine i keep so this is where you come every
2: saturday instead of practice Tragic.
0: I keep the ends out for the time by. Hey! It's a restricted area! Uh, guys? There's something in there. Billy! Guys! What is it? Excuse me.
2: Somebody excuse. should have pointed that
0: out. Wait, I did. <gasps>
2: Something happened up there, okay? I'm not the same. I'm strong. How strong? I'm insanely
1: strong. No, no,
2: no. Damn!
0: I feel like we need to go back up
2: there. I'm going to jump across with her, and then you jump. Piece of cake.
0: Let's go, No, 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 go. don't jump. Jason! That's not a piece of cake! And now we're going to review another trailer. Exactly. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Cause this looks like shit. Truly
2: awful. Almost every shot in the film was done at a Dutch tilt. I feel like I'm watching Battlefield Earth. It also feels like a knockoff of Chronicle,
0: and not nearly as entertaining as the first act of Chronicle was. There was even like a, a zinger or two in there as well for comedy, and it. That did not land either. It 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 looks ugly.
2: Yeah, I ha- oh my I have god! I did not get good me hyped to at say all.
0: About that, that was really that was like Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles levels of. Of terrible. I never liked Power Rangers
1: as a child. That just was not for me. I was a fan of, like, Mary Poppins and The Sound of Music when everyone else my age was doing Power Rangers and Pokemon, things like that.
2: You know what's funny? Somebody on YouTube already did a gritty live action Power Rangers reboot with a micro budget and that looked aesthetically and just narratively far better than what we just got. So... You know, like, I think spring 2015, if you want to look it up, it was a dark epilogue of Power Rangers. And compare that to this, which I think is going to be a problem. It looks like it's kind of trying to be a dumb kids movie, but is also going to be violent enough to be, like, a gritty PG-13. And I think that's a tone that's going
0: to be a serious problem for the film. Alrighty, let's move on to the next uh, blockbuster film that we got a trailer for. Hopefully we're a little bit more high on it. This is the trailer for Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Jack Sparrow, do you know this pirate? Only by name. Find Sparrow for me and relay a message from Capitan Salazar. Start off by asking this question here: What are your thoughts on the first four Pirates of the Caribbean films, guys?
2: I think the first one is one of the best studio blockbusters ever made. I adore the first one, and it has tremendous rewatch value. And I actually think the second one's not that bad. I certainly enjoyed seeing it, if it's a bit overlong.
0: I think Bill Nighy is great as Davy Jones. Yeah,
2: oh my god. And the makeup and CGI is incredible. It still had a good balance of tone, of fun, but also just action. I I enjoyed it, but the, the franchise is the definition of the law of diminishing returns. The third yeah. one did not know what its tone was. It opens off a fun blockbuster by hanging a seven-year-old. I mean, and then just continues with this narrative hodgepodge of shifting alliances, relatively incoherent action and motivation, CGI overload. And then the fourth one, I barely remember it all.
1: So. Michael? I don't like any of them. Oh, jeez. I'm not even a big fan of Johnny Depp's performance in the first one. I think it's sort of a mess. And my one takeaway from the entire franchise... Comes not from the film itself, actually, but from a Billy Crystal joke at the two thousand and three Oscars when Johnny Depp was nominated. He said, "Pirates of the Caribbean is Jack Valenti's worst nightmare—a slightly gay pirate." <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Jack Valenti was a president of the MPAA.
2: Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah ha! In my dentist's office.
1: Yeah, the films to me are forgettable. And when a joke from the Oscars is the biggest takeaway out of a 13-year franchise, that's not doing much for me.
2: By the way, also, the CGI in this trailer, and admittedly, they have months to work on it, but I remember being very impressed already by the CGI work in the teaser for Dead Man's Chest 11 years ago, months before the film came out. Whereas here, the CGI looks just, Well, not great. And it's odd, because the budget, as of summer 2015, was already up to $320 And that was before further delays and production troubles. The budget on this thing is enormous, and it doesn't really show in the CGI. It'll also make money, but it's going to have to recoup a hell of a global box office to make up for what could be a... 380 million budget even if it's continued to rise since then and johnny depp
0: also is not the biggest straw necessarily he's going through a lot of shit right now that's gonna hurt him i think and hurt the movie overall why is this happening who asked for this um i don't know jerry bruckheimer the one in 2011
2: broke a billion worldwide you know it was widely considered to be the weak point of the franchise which is saying something given what the third film was but it made a lot of money so it was, was going to happen.
0: And uh, what do we think of Javier Bardem here?
2: He looks like Ivan Ooze from Power Rangers. It's funny that we're reviewing those uh, trailers at the same time. He um, Javier Bardem's is a great villain. He always is.
1: Should have been Oscar nominated for Skyfall.
2: Agreed. I do feel like he was just basically playing a little more campy Anton Sugar from No Country for Old Men, <laughs> slathered in ghost makeup. That's Does he have the same haircut? Uh, I couldn't tell his haircut, but he's definitely got the same... No the same...
0: Hamill wig. No, nah, the, the image is a little too dark to tell.
2: But the same speech patterns, line delivery, odd mannerisms of uh, saying please and thank you as he threatens someone.
0: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, this is just a teaser. This is not a full representation of what we're going to get from the film, aesthetically, as well as in terms of the story. Johnny Depp's not even in the trailer. So that should tell you everything that you need to know right there. This is more so an announcement teaser than anything.
1: And it's from the director of a foreign film nominee from a few years ago, right? Contiki, yeah. Okay. Still haven't seen that one.
0: Well, uh, we're going to first start it off with... The new trailer for Allied, starring Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard, directed by Robert Zemeckis. I'll take the couch.
2: You'll sleep on the roof. In Casablanca, that's where husbands go. They're watching us. Focus me.
1: Said you were beautiful and good. Being good at this kind of work is not very beautiful. After the war, you have the place?
2: When the war is over, it won't matter where I am
1: found each other. Come with me to London. Come with me and be my wife. I love you with all my heart.
0: There's no easy way to say what we're about to
2: say. We suspect your wife is a German spy. This
0: insane. If you are right, all this will be forgotten.
1: But if she is, you will execute her with your own hand, and if you do not comply, you'll be hanged.
2: For 72 hours, we shall know for sure.
0: Is this a game? A test. Everything is a test. You were different with me last night. Different? Like you were angry. She's a mother of my child. It isn't true. I will prove it. Look! Save her!
1: You blatantly disobeyed orders.
2: You're scaring me. When the war is over, it won't matter where I am.
0: Okay, so this trailer here uh, is, in my opinion, a huge improvement over the teaser uh, that debuted a couple of weeks ago. I actually have a good idea of what the story is about now. I think that the trailer presents it as an engaging plot line uh, with a moral conundrum that Brad Pitt has to go through here. Um, Bob Zemeckis or Robert Zemeckis. Or like, See, like, is
1: I, he like, your buddy now?
0: Exactly, like I know the guy. Uh, like, oh, Hey, Bob. Um, you and Bobby? Yeah, exactly. Uh, me, me and Bob Zemeckis are going to hang out with Bobby D later, don't you know? Uh, <laughs> I think he's always been an incredibly gifted filmmaker as far as any of the uh, technical work that has to go into uh, his movies, his, his shots, his visuals. I sometimes question... The stories that he chooses to tell, and how those stories get told, um, but even on a bad day, like a film like *The Walk*, for example, which I wasn't that high on, Though I hated. There that. was there was still a lot of interesting stuff going on, at least with the visuals, um, that I, I I I'm 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 I'm, anti- I'm anticipating this, I, and I know it looks cheesy, you know that part where Marion Cotillard goes up to Brad and she's like, "Where is my kiss?" It's so, so cheesy and so cringeworthy, and I really did not like that note, uh, uh, that it kind of almost derailed the whole trailer for me. But otherwise, I think this looks like it could be, you know, a good time, a good amount of fun.
1: You know what this is? This is what the late David Carr of the New York Times used to call a movie movie. Like a big, sweeping, not necessarily an epic, but something that's accessible to A broad audience that could almost be like a big box office sensation around the holidays. Something that gets people talking, excited to go to the theater again. Sort of like what The Martian or The Revenant did last year. Mm -hmm. Like just a big commercial success that works for both critics and general audiences. I really like this trailer. And even if it's not an Oscar player, it just looks like a fun, entertaining, sweeping epic with big movie stars and... Uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. The costumes look great. The scenery it just looks like the type of movie we don't always get so much nowadays.
2: Yeah, and on one level, I wish they had gone for a more interesting, moody aesthetic for kind of a spy thriller like this. On the other hand, you said it's a movie movie, and it does, the aesthetics really do harken back to that old, glossy studio look, which I think the whole film is trying to do. I think it is very much a throwback to the type of film you would have gotten in the 1940s or 50s. It reminds me a lot of Casablanca
1: in a few ways, even though this is a more, uh, it's a darker story.
2: Its script got direct comparisons to the Casablanca screenplay and not just in subject matter. So, I mean, we mentioned earlier in the year in this podcast that the script was just wildly acclaimed circulating through Hollywood and that it was up to whether or not Zemeckis could adequately bring it to life. I still think it could be really good. I think they're giving away a little too much in the trailers, but I think this could be... I don't think it's going to be a Best Picture winner or something, but I think it could be a big hit, as you said, Mike, financially. And if that happens, the movie movies often do end up with Best Picture nominations. It
1: looks like she's giving birth in one scene during a bombing at a hospital.
0: That that could be a little hand-fisted and a little heavy-handed. No, but
1: still, just so it's entertaining, and it almost... Some comparisons to Out of Africa, too, just in terms of this big sweeping romance.
0: Yeah, I I don't think the film is going to do well, critically, though. I'm getting more of a sense of this the more I watch it. I think like a 70s... I was going to say mid-70s Rotten
2: Tomatoes Tomatoes sounds
0: right. Yeah, you're going to definitely get a lot of people that are going to consider it to be a great throwback, like you guys are describing, but I i i'm definitely starting to pull back on this as far as an oscar contender is concerned
1: every year around thanksgiving there's like this one title that comes out that weekend and the day after thanksgiving everyone shows up to the theater it sells out in the biggest auditorium usually and that could probably be this one it just has appeal to different generations and a lot going for it i can see people really eating this up
2: But Matt, I'm with you. It's only in my tech predictions now. I have it out of major categories, so.
1: I have costume and maybe production design at the moment,
0: but we'll see where it goes. Yeah, we definitely will have to. Uh, We talked last week about Deepwater Horizon. We knew that Peter Berg had another film coming out this year called Patriot's Day. That film is also starring, shocker, Mark Wahlberg. And the trailer debuted, so this here is the trailer for Patriot's Day. Why are you laughing? (laughs) it's just... I look like a clown. It's the color. I'm basically a
1: crossing guard. You got my whistle, my stop sign? Come here, give me a kiss.
0: I love you. I love you. Hey, how many times you run this thing? Boston 18, 43 overall. That's impressive, boss. This is, yeah, right? Definitely powerful. It doesn't show much either, which I really appreciate, but you instantly get a sense for the style that Peter Berg is going for with it, what it's ultimately going to be in terms of its tone. Um, The only thing I just really hope is I really hope that it does not... (sighs) So my, my my problem with the last two Peter Berg films, Lone Survivor and Deepwater Horizon, is its depiction of heroism in how much it really, really, really hits you over the head with it in a very non-subtle way. And I feel like that's what the same thing he's going for here. What I want to see with this film is I really want to see the manhunt for... The two guys, the two brothers uh, that, you know, eventually uh, ended in this, like, huge firefight. And I really just want, like, a tense, gripping, um, not thriller, but just something that's really just... Intense, You know, I want a a visceral experience of some sort of this case of obsession of tracking these guys down and bringing them to justice. I don't want it to just be about the bombing and the guys that were there and how they saved people and how they were impacted when they went home to their wives. And I just don't need that kind of melodrama.
1: See, I hope it goes in a different direction totally. I was hoping that it's more about how Boston pulled together as a community in the aftermath. And how they like stayed strong, how it brought everybody together, something a little more sentimental than that I know we watched the Manhunt Live, which was like a movie in itself, so i don 't know that I necessarily need a whole thing about that. It could be touched on sure, but i'm hoping that it has more of a personal feel and shies away from uh being like shies away from over jingoism like we don 't need it's called patriot state, but we don 't need these Long sweeping shots of American flags and everything. You could have one or two of them, but I don't want it to be another American sniper or something like that.
0: Well, wh- where do you think it's where do you think it's going to fall? Here, do you think it's going to fall more so in the Captain Phillips kind of vein that I'm thinking of, where it's going to be like this intense true story of like suspense and you know this domination of like the American power essentially over a great threat, or do you think it's going to fall more in line with? Michael's prediction.
2: I think it's going to be more yours, Matt. I I think that's more Peter Berg's style. What about like Friday Night Lights? Wasn't that more about a
1: community and stuff like that?
0: Oh, no, no. I'm saying it's going to have elements of that, and that's going to definitely be a part of this film, much in the same way it was with Sully earlier this year where you saw the people of New York coming together to help out with um, with this situation that presented itself. The film's definitely going to have that. I'm not saying it's not going to be there. I just think that um, I really, really, really want the film to not just be all that.
2: I also, I want my two biggest problems with Peter Berg's two recent films is that the thing that keeps, the big thing that keeps them from greatness is that I never really get to know the characters. I mean, I can't really tell you anything about the characters in the films, usually aside from their profession, because they're basically just, oh, these are nice people. That's all we get. I want a little more of that. And I'm hoping with some actors like John Goodman and Kevin Bacon and J.K. Simmons in the ensemble that maybe we can get more depth to the characters involved here. You know, I think it's it's a big ensemble that hopefully will have at least one supporting actor contender. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping for that as well. I I'm, I'm, would like to see Peter Berg further hone what he's kind of done with both Lone Survivor and Deepwater Horizon into something really, really good, which is make this, combine this thrilling suspense with just a little bit more emotion and characterization. Because in both cases, I don't really feel the emotion in those films until the end credits dedications they had to people who actually died. And I want the film during the tragedy to actually make me feel that as well through what it has demonstrated
0: with its characters. I hear what you're saying. I don't know if it's going to lean that way. I will say this. I think Peter Berg is a much better filmmaker than Michael Bay is at depicting this American heroism. That's for sure. I also know people who have seen the film.
2: And, I mean, it hasn't screened at a festival yet, but I have heard it is very good. You know, someone who had seen both this and Deepwater Horizon prefers it to the other two films. So I... I don't know. I mean, like, I I, I, think it, I, think it could be really good. I do.
1: And it'll make a ton of money, probably.
2: Oh, yeah. it's It's got that same Lone Survivor Zero Dark Thirty um, American Sniper weekend. Yeah, in January. I absolutely think so.
0: All right. And we got one more trailer here, guys. And that is the trailer for Pablo Lorraine's uh, latest film starring Natalie Portman which is getting huge, huge reactions on the festival circuit. This here is Jackie. Each evening from December to December, before you drift to sleep upon your cot, think back on all
2: the tales that you remember of Carmelot.
0: Ask every person if he's heard the story and
2: tell it strong and clear if he has not, that once there
0: was a fleet People like to believe in fairy tales.
2: Don't let it be forgot that for one brief,
0: shining moment, there was a Camelot. Me now everybody oh my god oh my, oh my god. god say it oh my Holy
2: god shit
1: yes. that was woof. i want it now i want to see this right now well you I'm will in two weeks i
2: hate you seeing it thursday i think the thing that most surprised me about that is how well shot the film is like after oh. after seeing that trailer i moved it into my cinematography predictions i assumed it was going to be kind of a grimy just handheld aesthetic but instead i mean there were two shots in that trailer in particular, the one of the car window and the overhead shot of the funeral. That straight up took my breath away. I just, I didn't know what to say. I kind
1: of like 17 shots in that trailer. I, I think I've watched it 10 times now. Yeah, it looks very Malachian too. I made like an album on my iPhone of just screenshots from this just to look at sometimes because they're jaw dropping some of these. The one that you mentioned, what was it? The one with the car? Yeah. Yeah, and the way that it sweeps down that camera, and oh my goodness, you had the window with the crowd
2: sitting outside. And then the, uh, also the shot of her in the cemetery with all the mist, and the yeah. one, of, one of her scrubbing John's blood and brains off her in the shower, the gloomy skies as the, as the car pulls away carrying John's corpse. Oh, it's stupidly well shot.
1: Then there's one of the funeral, too. With the flag being folded and her in the background,
0: yeah, it's a yeah. great shot. Uh, my favorite shot of the year so far is the final shot of Moonlight, but I am very tempted to say that her looking out the car window as the people pass by uh, is probably my favorite shot. And I, but I can't officially say because I haven't seen the film. But that shot is there's so much uh, thematic depth packed into that one shot alone. It it that uh, oh my god! It's like oh. the shot in Carol. Yes, and you know I was actually gonna make that comparison there. That this looks like it was something that th- this looks like a Todd Haynes film to a very very large degree.
1: Absolutely, uh, looks like Ed Lockman would have shot it.
0: Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, a lot of people also. Um, I I did hear one comment in the theater I was in for uh, the Birth of a Nation. Somebody did turn and say that the film um, uh, kind of like had an old look to it. And I think that that was the person just honestly just not knowing what the hell they were talking about. But just for mainstream general audiences, I I, I, I could totally see what they mean because the film has a very throwback, grainy film stock look to it. Um, and it does not look like it's a film that was made necessarily in 2016, To, to, to at least to me. This looks like it's a film that was made in the 60s or 70s, going by its visual look Oh, it here.
1: absolutely does.
0: And I think it is absolutely brilliant. And you
1: have the graininess of it. Wasn't it shot on a different type of film? I believe maybe 16mm?
0: Uh, yeah, it was shot on uh, 16 millimeter. Okay, well,
1: that's certainly different from what we're seeing a lot now in the cinematography category. We have a lot of digital films, so... Maybe this could be a nice way to break it up a little bit.
0: Does anybody else feel like they're going to get annoyed by Natalie Portman's accent in the film?
1: No, because Jackie Kennedy had a strange voice to begin with. So I think you just have to go with it.
2: Yeah, like after that first clip dropped about a month ago where it had her speaking uh, with one of Lyndon Johnson's aides about the body, I thought, yeah, I thought it was going to ruin the film for me. But as I understand it, you get used to it pretty quickly. And like Mike said, Jackie Kennedy sounded like that. It's weird. She did, though. So I think it'll be one of those things that it'll take about five minutes to get used to. Kind of like Levitt's Snowden voice, but
0: then honestly... Or even
1: Daniel Day-Lewis and Lincoln, at first, people had their reservations. Yeah, that's true. And then by the end of that movie, did you care?
0: Uh, No, I did not at all. You're just so
1: taken by the movie, and Lincoln... As great as he was, was, was sort of a weird guy. He had a strange voice and a little odd-shaped face. So you have to play these characters as they are. And then I love the use of the song Camelot from the show Camelot. I don't know if the two of you are familiar with that song.
2: Yeah, no, I thought my, uh, my mom used to always blast that on the way to school when yeah. I was like five. And it's
1: like a very jovial song. It gets very loud, and it, he like sort of shouts it.
2: And it was so ominous here. That and Mika Levy's yeah. strings both were really unsettling.
1: I didn't even recognize it at first. I thought it was like dialogue until I heard the Camelot part, and I'm like, oh, well, because I really loved that song, and I had never heard it sung like that. And you almost got the like go royal feeling when she goes uh, Camelot, and then you hear like the strings go dun-dun, you know.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: It gave me chills watching it for the first time.
0: It's by far one of the most anticipated movies of the... Oscar season for all of us. Uh,
1: Easily the best trailer I've seen this year.
0: Yeah? Would you say so? Oh,
1: without a doubt. And I know I said that about Fences last week, but this just blew everything else out of the
0: water. Yeah, for me, it's either Fences or Live by Night right now, as far as the most effective trailers I've seen this year. Absolutely. Just a stunning trailer. I think uh, if we're counting
2: 2016 trailers, I still think the Witch trailer, which technically came out last year... Was one of the best put together. I think because we've all seen that film, we're forgetting that. But as far as recent trailers, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I also loved the Hail Caesar trailer, which was like a short film in itself.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it definitely was. Oh my gosh, Ray Fiennes in that movie. Uh, really quickly, I just want to ask this question. Uh, now that just I just mentioned Ray Fines. a bigger splash. Anybody? Anybody think he can do it?
2: Uh, I think. I think he'll get several Critics Award nominations and maybe even a BAFTA nomination. Uh, He should, but the film was too early and too small. And generally, I don't think not acclaimed enough as a film overall to really get him the traction he needs. I would love it if it happened. I don't think it will.
1: I saw a post from Chris Tapley that he posted, I believe it was yesterday that the Oscar-nominated short films from last year, when they get released in theaters, that package made more money than Demolition and A Bigger Splash.
0: Jesus. Wow. That's, oh, that's
1: brutal. So I don't know if Bigger Splash has been seen enough necessarily. Maybe it picks up on screeners. But, I mean, Ray Finds is very good in it.
2: Oh, and uh, I guess that's another piece of news we should mention. It's pretty weird. Uh, two weeks after Chloe Grace Moretz announced that she was taking a break from film and canceled all of her projects uh she immediately returned announcing that the director of a bigger splash is directing a remake of suspiria and she's going to be leading it which i i think is is a bad idea on many levels but that's a bit of i guess potential oscar news that i forgot to mention earlier i don't think it'll fare well and that's a not necessarily a film
0: that was begging for a remake but it's worth noting from her point of view though I, if that kind of an opportunity comes along I don't know how you say no so I, I get where she's coming from with the decision there so makes, makes sense to me uh, we're pretty much going to wrap it up at this point here uh, really quickly on my part I want to just encourage everybody to check out the polls on nextbestpicture.com we're asking everybody for the month of October what is your favorite horror film of all time uh, so there's a pretty good list of films here that include, uh, I'll just name some of them, 28 Days Later, The Exorcist, Halloween, Poltergeist, Guy, Psycho, Scream, Shining, The Witch. Yes, I really do think that that deserves to be there as well. And then we have another poll for which film from 2014 you want us to review next. Uh, There's a list of films there for you to select from that we will put up on the site. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road won the last uh, poll for 2015, so there will be a review of that posted shortly. Um, Otherwise, I've got nothing pretty much else to add here. Uh, Guys, do either one of you guys have anything that you want to just quickly bring up uh, before we go for today?
1: Uh, No, I think we covered it. It was uh, more news than I thought this
2: week. It's a film world. There's always lots of news. October, November, it's only going to get more so as the weeks go on.
0: Yep, definitely. And as soon as we start seeing some more of these films over the next couple of weeks, I mean, we're pretty much in it at this point as far as uh, the Oscar race is concerned. And it's just full steam ahead now. And I hope you enjoy 20th Century Women tonight. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. (laughs) I can't
1: wait. Do you like the other Mike Mills films like Beginners?
0: I did enjoy Beginners, yes. I, I really did enjoy it. All right, well, you'll have to let us know how this compares. I will definitely do that for sure. Uh, there will be a review posted of that uh, by the time this podcast is uh, is posted for sure. So, yeah, I want to thank you all for listening here. Uh, you can check us out on nextbestpicture.com. There's a couple of really, really fascinating blog posts that we have coming over to the site that I'm really, really excited to share with all of you. Michael, Will, uh, you guys got some really great pieces coming. i um, just really, really, really pumped to share that with everyone. And
1: I'm excited to write them. It's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be good.
0: Exactly. So thank you guys very, very much for listening. Uh, one last time, I am Matt Neglia. You can find me at nextbestpicture.com on Twitter.
1: You can find me at Mike
2: Movie. You can
0: find me at Mavericks Movies. And this has been episode 6 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. We will see you all next time.